Welcome back to the newest episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matt Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people who can help benefit the writing community. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by author, speaker, and media contributor, author of 13 published books, Gaina Lynn Condi. How are you, Gaina Lynn? I'm great, Matt. I'm so glad that we can do this. We tried last week and I always trust timing when it doesn't seem to be working. It works perfectly for when it's supposed to. So I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you saying that. And I feel the same. Sometimes when your gut tells you something, you've just got to run with it and wait until it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And for those that have followed me on social media, I had a pretty severe accident a couple of weeks ago and fell and shattered my left wrist in 52 places. And so last week, I think I was only, only maybe a week from surgery. And, you know, like all things, I tell my husband that I'm always in a writer's brain. Like I'm always the author watching the experience because I know everything becomes material that could be used in some way. So I've had a, a unique couple of weeks of seeing things from a different perspective, specifically as writers, not taking my hands for granted. So I, you know, I've started working on a couple of new books and I'm about three weeks behind what I thought I would be, but my hands are still here. And so I guess just right out of the gate, I think as authors, if we're all gathering on this podcast, like just being grateful for hands is something that I think I was taking for granted. 52 places. I didn't even know there were 52 places in the wrist. <laughs> well, yeah. So for those that are watching, I, I broke the joint vertically and then the radius had broke off. So my hand was off and then the radius shattered in 50 places. So I now have a metal plate from about here to here and five screws holding my wrists together. So yeah. So let me ask you a question about resilience and yeah. kind of adaptation. I know for me personally, I have never been a big speak to talk guy. Like I have clients who will do that to get me content. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, I just, I can't do it. I'm a purist. Yeah. Even, even computer writing. I like to write by hand. I like to feel. Yeah. yeah. How are you like... How, what has this process been like for you to realize that you can't work the way you used to work? Well, that's interesting you would say that because a lot of author friends of mine have reached out saying use the dictation tool. Um, one of the projects I'm working on, I'm co-writing a book. And so the platform we're using doesn't have a great dictation tool. The other one, I could probably do that, but I'm with you. Like usually on my office wall, I've mapped out my books and then I start working on the computer and I've skipped that step. I do have a little like smaller journal that I can use my one hand to, to map it out, but it's been a very vulnerable experience to feel like, you know, I think I'm among friends when I say this to have a hand injury when you're an author, it's a different, I think hand injuries are hard in general because like I've had to learn how to do the very basic things of self-care and showering and putting on my shoes and, you know, all those things, but it's really kind of rocked me my book that came out last year in May is called The Stewardship Principle. And I really have tried to use the, the idea of pivoting and resilience that this is a stewardship. And when, when I stay in that mindset, I feel like for me, my faith plays a big part in this, that if I'm supposed to get this book done, 
it will be right where it needs to be. Um, yesterday, I will say at the time of this taping, last week when we were going to talk, I was frustrated at so many levels because every day I woke up thinking today I'll write, today I'll write, today I'll write. And the pain was so bad I couldn't. And yesterday I finally got some content down and it wasn't great and it wasn't easy and it's not perfect, but it's there. And I feel like in my writer's brain, just starting is sometimes the biggest hurdle that I have to get through in my head. And for me, this time obviously has been different, you know, because I, I have a different experience than I've had in the past. That is honestly, our listeners have probably heard me say this hundreds of times by now, but every time this comes up, that's my number one piece of advice to coaching clients, ghostwriting clients, no matter what it is. If someone's like, how do you write a book? What, what's the best way to start writing a book? Start writing. Doesn't have to be great. You know, at some point you're going to need to think it out, but if you're just in the beginning, yeah. start, just sit down and start writing. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, I get the same. I mean, I don't do a lot of gross writing. I have four compilation projects where I did some, some editing and ghostwriting support, but my other books are, are soul, you know, projects or co-writing with one other author. I, I would just say that that's been the secret for me. People are like 13 books. How do you do that in eight years? And it really is about mapping it out, dedicating the space and the time on my calendar to that, and then not judging how wonky, I think wonky is my favorite word. It feels wonky. Even after 13 books, it still feels wonky. Like I sat down yesterday, I had everything set up. I had my brace on my hand. You know, I was like, my snacks were ready. And I still had to like get in that hurdle of, do I have any words left? Is there anything left to write? You know, does anyone want to read it? Does anyone want to read it? And honestly, at this point, I'm committed to myself. And, and when, when you decide you're going to do like my mom always said, you can't, you eat the elephant one bite at a time. I don't know why that's the same because no one eats elephants. I mean, I don't know anyone that eats elephants, but it's one bite at a time that I, I have to break a book down into those bite sized pieces. And yesterday the commitment was, can I get four sections done? And that was it. And Honestly, I have not gone back and reread what I wrote because by bedtime last night, I had kept that commitment and I'm not judging it. It's down and it's there and, and we'll see what happens. I have another commitment of four more sections today. So when we're done talking, that's what I'm planning on doing and not get distracted by the other to-do lists that feel easier to do right now. Your analogy of eat the elephant one bite at a time made the book, eat that frog jump into my head, right? Because I know I'm guilty of it. It's, it can be so easy to get lost in activity instead of productivity, right? So I know I need to write this section and it's, it's going to take this much time. It's going to be this much work, but I've got 14 other little things that I can do and feel like I had a good day, but I'm missing the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I have career wise, I have some diversity where I host a weekly podcast. I do live TV and radio every month and I have a speaking career and those are very like connecting verbally based out there kind of parts of my brain and soul while writing is very solitary. It's very alone. And so 
exactly what you said, Matt, there's always the to-do list in my mind of other things I'm juggling that would make me feel like it was a productive day where writing, I have to get in a different headspace and in a zone. Um, currently I don't have kids at home because our youngest is at college and she's home on the weekends, but I've been writing for the last eight plus years and had kids at home. I had two kids at home. And so the dog always needs to go out. There's always laundry to change. There's always a, a kid um, activity at school or homework I need to help with or something that I need to do that I have friends that are writers that have writing places where they go away on ranches or, you know, special hotel rooms, they always rent or they go to cabins somewhere. I've not ever had that experience. My office is literally where I live here in Utah is right off my front entrance. And I have a glass door and I have windows so I can see out on the street. So for me as a mom that was juggling writing the stewardship of motherhood and being a wife and being a writer, I wanted to feel like I still was in my life, but you know, that's not always super conducive to that zone that as writers we need to get into. And so my husband would sometimes get, get like frustrated or worried that I was up late, but that's usually about the time when it would kick, you know, the house was quiet. All the kids were settled. The dog was in the kennel and that's when I'd find the zone. But I have still found for those that are wrestling with all the different stewardships in their life and writing as one of them, that if I put it on the calendar and I map out a book, even if I add a chapter, delete a chapter and change it as the project progresses, I'm 80% there just for that reason, because it's not this huge elephant that's ambiguous. It is in bite-sized pieces. And then when the unexpected things happen, like the dog needs to go to the vet or you have a kid that stays home sick, you can adjust if you need to for that one day. But I have to honor it like I would honor other commitments because it's still a part of my soul that doesn't just naturally, the speaker part of me, the media contributor part of me, that part of me comes out pretty easily. The writing part of me, I still have to really work to like, what would I be saying to Matt if I was talking? Can I write it to him instead of speak it to him? That part of my brain, even after 13 books, still always feels like it's an achy joint that doesn't want to move, you know? Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com, created by Pen for Hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base. Outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. I've probably, <clears throat> between client books and my own books, I don't even know, probably two dozen books, but I still suffer from that. You mentioned before, you know, writing and then you have that solitary world and the other world where you're out podcasting and doing things that are on the complete other end of the spectrum. So I swear I'm leading into a question here, but I know me personally, there's this uh, kind of the little inner voice that's still like, is it any good? 
Yeah. Right. No matter how much you've written, there's always yeah. something. So I'm curious from your experience switching from this solitary writing to now putting it out there in the world, going out there and speaking about your writing. How do you find comfort in doing that without that little voice saying, this one's no good? You know what? We we briefly talked about this last week. For me, in the in the genre that I write, which is inspirational nonfiction, I have to make it about the one reader. And I have stacks and stacks of emails and letters and messages and DMs on social media of the ones that I have to remember that every single one of those books, I suffered with the same self-doubt and every single book that I've been able to have the honor to publish has had a number of for the ones. And for me, if I can make it about a person and what is really happening in their lives. And I, I have so much respect for fiction writers. That's not my brain. That's not how my brain works. And, and I don't sit and think about, you know, the fantasy character that I've got to create in my mind. I have so much admiration for, for fiction writers for me because of the genre that I specialize in. I, there's always life, real life happening. And so when I struggle with that fear that it's not going to be good. And, and I look back on some of my writing and some books, I'm surprised how they resonate with readers, other books, you know, I think that they're going to have a different response, but there's always for the ones. And when I make it about the one and I make it bite size in my planning, and then I make it about what do I want to read? You know, like, What's going to keep me feeling inspired? What's going to help me today? What would I tell myself as my own best friend to help me through this hard situation? When I make it about that, it usually quiets that voice. It doesn't ever go completely away, but it quiets it. And I'm grateful that now I'm, you know, 13 books in where I have a number of people that have reached out gratefully. And, and you know, what's funny, I will say this to your authors that maybe are are not getting that feedback and they're frustrated. I would say that there's so many people that have messaged me that it confess almost like I've waited weeks to reach out and message you, you know, as if I'm kind of unapproachable or this famous author or whatever. And, and then they pour out their heart. And, and I always think, gosh, how many in under the iceberg of authors that never hear the feedback because someone didn't take the time or they're nervous or they're, they're not even sure how to reach out to you. I just think there's something to be said for that. And I heard this great piece of advice right before I published my first book. And it was from another author that was very successful and had published. She said, there will always be authors that are selling more money or selling more books and making more money. There will always be authors that have better marketing projects and, and, and people behind them. There will always be a perception of what another author is doing. And so one of the things I teach in the stewardship principle is that writing is one of my stewardships. And when I go into ownership, I go into comparison. When I stay in stewardship, it becomes about what is my unique contribution. It's not about another author, how many followers they have, how many bestsellers they have, how many books they sold, what their publisher is offering for marketing support. If I keep it about my stewardship, then the gremlins that are called comparisons stay quieter. When I'm in comparisons, it shuts me down. I, I never feel creative. I never feel like I have something authentic or unique to offer. 
or a new word or sentence to write. And so I almost have to guard against it like we would hypothetically a pandemic, right? Like we put on masks to protect ourselves. What is the like pseudo mask we need to wear when we're writing so that we can stay in a headspace where it's not about what everyone else is doing or has already been done. One of my biggest traps is I don't really want to write just to write anymore. Honestly, I've published 13 books. I only want to publish things that feel like it adds in a meaningful, hopeful way to the world. And if it's not some, if it's already been done, I don't need to do it just to be busy. I'm busy enough. And so I'm more selective. I'm almost 52. Tomorrow is my birthday, by the way. And I turn 52 and you publish books and your baby moves away and goes to college and you lose people unexpectedly to death. You, you question projects in a different way. I think you just do. And so now when I sit down to write, my problem more so is like, is this going to help impact the world in a meaningful way? And if it isn't, I have other things on that to-do list to do. And so I have to be careful I don't get in my own way on that because I've also learned that what maybe, you know, I think is the most impactful thing a reader finds other things more surprising. You know, I just, I just think it's, if it's in your heart, act on it. If it's in your head and it won't leave you alone, get it, get it out on the paper and, and try not to judge whatever it's going to be before you make the offering. That's the other thing I teach in the stewardship book is that when I get outcome focused, then I stop becoming offering focused. And to me, writing is a lot of about offerings, especially if you go through multiple edits, like everything's an offer, right? Everything is open. My editor has edited. I've had the same editor through all my projects. And when she first started, she's now managing editor at my publisher, but she wasn't then. And and I remember she said something to me, there's only a few sacred texts in the world, the Bible, you know, the Quran, everything else is open to be edited. And, and the first book, it hurt. It was like, ouch, I worked so hard for that sentence and paragraph and you just like crossed it off. And now I love it. I love when my editor comes in, I trust her. She always pulls away the stuff that's going to be the distraction. And so make the offering. You know, make the offering, especially if you're in the first phase of just getting that first manuscript done. Calendar it. Don't go into comparisons and make the offering. Stop focused. Stop focusing on the outcome of how many books is this going to sell and how many word count is it and how many whatever. Make the offering. The outcome will be there, whatever it is. The offering is what you have control over. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Sometimes writing a book can be the easy part. Taking those raw word processor documents and turning them into visually appealing pages that are compliant with independent publishing standards can be a daunting task. Don't trust your finished product to just anybody. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. You and I are definitely very similar in that regard. Cause even when I write for other people, I get asked often like, Oh, what, what category do you write in? Like what, what specific business field? And the answer is always inspiration and motivation. I don't care if it's tech. I don't care if it's 
granted, I don't write medicine or rocket science because I just can't wrap my head around it. But otherwise, it falls into inspirational or motivational and it can help people. Though I'm not necessarily looking at how much they're offering for the project. I need to know that by me putting my time and effort into it, that it's going to help in the world. And you gave a a nugget of advice that I know has been mentioned several times, but I, I need to point it out again for everyone that's listening is the words matter and you need to get everything that's in your head out. So you didn't say this part. I'm just, I'm going to kind of elaborate on where you were going with it. Cause if you try to censor yourself as you write, nothing's going to come out. So you got to throw it all on paper, but you're doing that with the caveat that, you know, a lot of it's going to get stripped away and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a gift. And I think all new authors, I always tell them that please don't be afraid. Your editor is your friend. And you're, you're in a process and they're in a process, their stewardship and your stewardship together are going to make a final project that's better for the reader. You know, I I think my editor is brilliant, but she is definitely the way she approaches even in conversation is very an editor brain. And I, I think that's such a great piece of advice, Matt, that like, if I don't just start trying to have the conversation with the page, it's not we're never going to get to the pieces that are those quotables or those light switch moments for readers that I love hearing about. You know, I just saw someone post on a social media post. I'm doing a giveaway this week for my birthday with another friend of mine that has a workbook and I'm giving away a copy of stewardship. And on her post of the giveaway, someone that I don't know, you know, mentioned that they love this, my book and that they reread it all the time. And, and I think I'm still in awe of this experience as an author, because I still sometimes think it's only my mom that's buying my books and, you know, my best friends. And I'm always surprised when I meet a stranger that's like, oh my gosh, this one book you wrote changed my life and saved me. And so Matt, I'm with you. Like people are wrestling with big stuff. You know, I lost a sister to suicide. I lost a baby sister to a heart condition. My father-in-law passed from MS. Even my recent accident, life can change in a moment. And what I love about books, like I'm saying real books, like I'm looking at my bookshelf in my office, like I value the paper book and I'm not trying to take away from audio books because I record my audio books as well. But there's something about the tactile gift of a book that when you hand it to someone that's going through something, you never know when they're going to pick that up And that book becomes their friend when no one is around and they're in their closet at night and they're wrestling with some big stuff and they feel alone. That's the greatest feedback I can get from a reader is that my books have become their best friends. And that at some simple way, something that I wrestled with imperfectly got translated through an editor and published and met this reader where they're at. And gave them words for what they're dealing with that they didn't have the words for before. There's no greater compliment you can give me is as an author. And I wasn't an English major. I have a teaching degree, you know, a minor in psychology. And so this wasn't ever in my mind where I thought I'd be led. But there's power in the life of a book. You can give a book and help someone 10 weeks later when you aren't even around and they see it on their nightstand or they pick it up off their shelf and they open to the right page. I have thousands of those stories where people are like, I walked into a bookstore. I didn't know what I needed. One of the clerks suggested one of your books and it was 
it was like a long lost best friend that I needed that reminded me that I wasn't alone in this specific situation. That's the power of writing. That's the power of a book is that it meets people where they're out in their most personal private places where maybe someone, no one else on the earth even knows they're wrestling. Yeah. People are going to start thinking I paid you for some of the things that you're saying. <laughs> they just echo like what, what I preach to everyone. And I personally, I can't read an ebook. I only, yeah, me either. I've only recently gotten on audiobooks because of my time constraints. Sometimes it's the only way I can get to consume yeah. anything, Yeah, but a physical book is timeless. It's enduring. It's personal right? Someone is on in your bed or your couch holding that, immersing yourself in that feeling and you can hand it down. It'll be there for your kids, your grandkids. Yeah. It leaves a legacy that who knows if, I mean, I don't want to go all negative here and say, you know, when the internet no. gets shut down and we no, have no I electricity. Literally, I literally am like, when the zombie apocalypse happens, I still have VHS tapes and DVDs and I have books. I do. I'm like, if, if everything goes down, I still want to be able to have that connection and, and those tools to help me, you know, from a mental health standpoint, I think it's, it's, and they're beautiful. I mean, I just think books are beautiful. So they're all over my home just for decoration as well, because I think there's power in, in the page, the actual page. I couldn't agree with you more. It's a, yeah. it's a true testament and living, breathing record of what yeah. someone went through Yeah, to put their thoughts, their knowledge yes. on paper yes. for yes. you, the reader, whoever you may be. Right. Right. When you chose to pick it up. Yep. 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 I'm with you on that brother. This is incredible. So Gaina Lynn, where can people, I'm sure you're on Amazon, but where can people find out more about you, your feelings on stewardship, contact yeah. you if they've already read your book and they want to share yeah. some of that information? Yeah. I have the strangest name on the planet. No one has my name and it's sometimes the, the elephant in the room, so to speak. We have a little elephant, elephant theme going on here, but it kind of breaks the ice because everyone's afraid to say it wrong. And my husband almost never asked me out on a date because he couldn't figure out how to say it in college. And, and that's a whole nother story. But so Gaina Lynn, the only great part, one of the great parts of having a unique name is Google knows exactly who you're trying to find. So yes, I'm on Amazon, but my website without the hyphen or the capital L is Gainalyn. So two L's, Gainalyn.com and all the links to all the social platforms, all of my books, past media interviews. This interview will be up there on my website and my speaking calendars there. So that's a great way, but I am on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Did I get them all? Are those all the platform YouTube? I have a YouTube channel too, but yeah, I, I'm not super active on Twitter. I mean, I always reshare stuff there, but that, sorry to all the Twitter fans out there. It's a little angry or crowd for me. So, I mean, I post stuff there, but I hurry and get off because it feels a little scary. out. have got a whole other set of issues going on over there. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a professional page on Facebook. So don't, sometimes people send me a friend request and then I never see the message, but my professional page is just my first name, Gainalyn. So if you type that in, Google should direct you to my website. And then that's kind of a hub of all the other ways you can find me. Fantastic. This has been an amazing conversation. I'm really glad we got to do this. And I'm hoping that if someone's already read one of your books and wasn't 
were not aware that you have so many others that they're now going to go and look for them. If someone hasn't read any of your books yet, I don't think it matters where they start. I will share that since I have my copy of The Stewardship, I will be starting there. So awesome. if anyone wants to read it and send feedback to the show I'm at, or directly to Gaina Lynn, I'm, I'm happy to route that in the right direction. And yeah. We follow you. I think it's on Instagram. You're constantly yeah. pushing out great positive content. So Thank I highly you. recommend for anyone listening. If you're yeah. And if people want a free copy and a Stanley cup, that's the giveaway this week. So if you're on Instagram and want to hop over there and get in on that, then maybe we're not doing the giveaway until we announce the winner Saturday, February 4th. So if people are listening to this during that window, then that might be an easy way to get one of my books. Incredible. So uh, as always, I highly advise supporting our guests. If they're on the show, they're on the show for a reason. Head over to gainalin.com, enter for your copy to win, enter for your chance to win the book. But seriously, it, it's a book. It's not that expensive, whether you win or not purchase. Yeah, it's under, it's under $7. So I tried to, I mean, it's a quick read too. I think for writers, we don't always get a lot of reading in, but it's a 68 page read and, and it's for every demographic I can think of. So I'd love for people to pick it up and get a taste for, you know, my voice on page. I'm through the introduction and I can already tell it's going to be an enjoyable, easy read. So for everyone listening, we always thank you for your support of the show. Support our guests. You've just spent this time with Gainalyn Condi and Matt Harms. Please reach out to Gainalyn or me. We always make sure that your correspondence gets directed to the appropriate place. And we will catch you all in the next episode. Gainalyn, thank you again so much for being here today. Thanks, Matt. It's been a joy for me. Same here.